different cultures have different things that are appropriate. And so if you don't recognize that, it could cause some issues. There's a, there was a Brazilian girl who in college, like I knew her, a lot of people knew her. And a lot of people were like saying she's really flirty. But in reality, it was very common in her hometown in Brazil. Anytime you introduce yourself to a friend or someone you see, you give them a hug or a kiss on the cheek, which is just how you introduce yourself. There's just a different level of spaces around people that are found normal, right? So if I stand usually in in our conversations two feet away, maybe someone from a different culture, it's normal for them to stand one foot away or less. And so now you're like, whoa, this person's in my personal space because it's, you're in your cultural ideology of this is normal. And so anything outside of that normal is like, oh, maybe she's hitting on me. Yeah, dude. Um, our friend Grant, he just took a 99-day solo trip to Asia. And he said when he was in Japan, um, no one would make eye contact with him when he spoke to them. And if you were making eye contact like while you're speaking, it was like too intense or it's like not acceptable is what he was telling me, which is wild, right? You go to like different cultures and you experience all kinds of different socially acceptable norms. And so like if you many times meeting someone like who's an international person in America, you might think, oh, this person's like weird or this person's completely different. But that's just like what's normal in their culture and society. It's very interesting. We all live in our own bubbles. Yeah, definitely. We all 100%. think objectively what we know as like a standard is like the truth. Or This person's accent, they're not speaking English correctly. My way of saying it's normal. My way is better. They're going to think the same way. Like, why do you say that word that way? It's, it's just because the way I'm used to living is like ingrained in me and thinking that's normal because that's what I'm surrounded with when it's really not. Yeah. Yeah, it was so funny. Grant was like when he was in Japan, like he, he wouldn't get eye contact from anyone. And then when he was in India... Everyone would be staring at him all day long from all directions because <laughs> they were so interested that there was like an American in their country. So funny. It's hilarious. So another, another concept that I've recently started to think about is, uh, I'm, I don't remember the name of it, but basically it's the idea that I emplace my reality on other people and it's my way of like connecting with people. So I'll give you an example. I see the world one way. And so in some capacity, I think everyone else sees the world in a very similar way, right? And it's normal for humans to do this because it's the way we can like connect with each other. Yeah. And I understand that like, okay, you're also human. So you also have these certain characteristics or whatever. And you, your brain works in a similar way that mine does. The problem with it is, is it's not actually true. And like, we all have different perspectives and different mm-hmm. mindsets and different. And so... The upshot on this is that if you can understand the ways you're thinking and in placing that on other people. So I'll give you an example. If I'm someone who's relatively judgmental and I see someone walking down the street and like wearing something weird and I'm like, ugh, gross. Or I see someone that doesn't look the way I do and I say, ugh, gross. Or like I I see people doing something that I deem as immoral and I impart judgment on that. People that do that are much more likely to suffer from insecurity, thinking that other people are thinking about me, thinking that other people are thinking negative of me and judging me because they emplace that reality that they have in their own brain on the other people around them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you're running into situations like that where you're facing some level of insecurity or some level of negative feelings about the people around you usually if you work on changing that own internal words or things you're saying to yourself or way you're thinking it'll have an impact a large impact on the way you see other people and so if i think of most people around me positively i'm gonna think they think the same thing of me and the same thing if i think of most people around me negatively i'm gonna think they think the same thing of me just because like that's the way our Mm. brains work as humans yeah it's very interesting i mean naturally we all form our own opinions and judgments and what we believe is right and wrong based on our own experiences growing up and the way we've, whatever bubble we've lived in within the grand scheme of the context of the world, right? So even, I mean, this happens a lot in politics also, where like one person who maybe lived in Hawaii where they saw their coral reefs um, dying over time, they might be a lot more interested in thinking money should be going to climate change 
rather than going to military spending or something like that. So every like there's no right answer. Everyone many times people think, oh, like the other side, like they don't know what the, how to deploy this capital or they don't know what's right or wrong or what to do with this kind of money. Whereas like you can't solve everything. But I think it is each of our jobs to try and deploy our views onto the world. I, I think without that, there'll be a lot of pieces missing. Like if someone has a family member that um, was affected by cancer, then maybe that person will be a lot more interested in pursuing a life that involves cancer research or pushing out that agenda more versus someone else who's experienced some other issue or some other family issue, right? If if we were all thinking that the same, like we have to put the money in the same place, then we're missing out on a lot of issues. There's a million different issues in the world. Um, so that, that would be like my take on that. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand that there's so much nuance to everything. It's really easy, especially when you're young and in some capacities immature, to think that, you know, in all circumstances, 99 out of 100, it should be this way. Like, for an example, you know, if you get really into personal finance or something and you start to see the way other people are living and you start to impart this specific worldview on the way that they're living and judging them for that because it doesn't align with the way you think things should be, but you don't understand the nuances between that, it's very difficult to like understand where other people are coming from. And in addition to that, it's also important to understand like when you see things that are happening within the world, it's really easy to think like good versus evil, mm-hmm. right? World War Two, the Axis powers versus it's you can see that we're good, they're evil. You're reading a textbook that's written by the good group, and you say the other group was evil, exactly, right? And so, say Nazi Germany, right? All those people that were Germans living there, and they were looking for helping the government root out the Jews, or it's easy to look back now today and say those people were terrible. But also, those are the same people that would fall into, like, just listening to the news nowadays, right? It's the same thing. So it's not that there's, like, a good or evil. It's that we, like, every single person has some level of good and evil inside of them, right? And there's, like, a line inside of everyone. Not that, like, we just need to find the evil people in the world and, like, get rid of them or whatever, right? And that's, like, such a common thought process in today's society, so prevalent in every area of life right like it's politics you know it's us versus them it's left versus right it's it's in our culture it's right it's like this race versus that race it's when it's really not that simple or not that there's so much more nuance to everything exactly dude we're we're always getting programmed right this is something like we both know the content we are consuming whether it's on social media on the news or even the, the circles that we're hanging out with they have their own worldviews. And when we're only listening to those few sources, we are clearly not getting like a full picture of how the world works, right? There's the availability heuristic, which is like this. Uh, if you draw a big circle of like the objective truth of everything happening in the world, and then you draw a tiny, tiny little circle inside of that big circle, that's the information that you know about those topics, right? Based on the, the news source that you were looking at or the TV channels that you were watching, things like that. And it's about understanding that Okay, there. I mean, so many people. They also like to pin you against others so many times. Uh, whether there's a war, Israel, Palestine. Oh, one side's right, one side is wrong. Like you're saying, but there's so much objective truth out there that we just have to realize we don't understand. And my perception of the world is based like eighty percent, if not more, on my own reality and my own experiences. The problem is when my experiences are two percent of the world, if not less, then like. How is my perception right? How can I possibly believe that I'm right about anything if 90% of what I believe is based on 2% of the information? That Mm. just seems like logistically, statistically, all of the above, impossible. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if this is like a flaw or something I should maybe think about more, but something maybe this year that I've tried to focus on is looking and doing less research into things that have nothing to do with me. If there's a politics event or like a world event and I feel like there's not much I can do to change the outcome of this event, 
I spend a lot less attention towards it than maybe I used to in the past. And maybe that's making me a less like global individual or something. Um, but I just feel like if at this point, if I can't control an outcome of something, it's not worth putting my mental effort into it fully. What do you think about that? Well, as a human, you have a certain amount of energy. There's just a cap. And there's a cap of the amount of things you can care about. And so if you care about everything, you're going to be caring about nothing. There's So to actually care about something, you have to not care about everything else. Mm-hmm. And so you have to decide very particularly what are the things that you actually do care about and want to care about. And so, you know, me spending time yelling on Instagram about the next newest law that was passed that upsets me does nothing for anyone in society except for the people around me see that like, oh, he cares about that, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. it, there's no actual good coming pressures. from that. So it's just like, you're just social posturing and saying like, oh, I care about this. But the more things you presume to care about the less things you're actually going to do in the world and so like instead of especially in today's society it's very very difficult to hone in on the very specific thing that like you're going to care about right Mm -hmm. you know living in the same place for 20 (laughs) years gives you the uh, the ability to know understand all the nuances of that place and really build great relationships within that place but you miss out on the opportunities of traveling to 27 different countries and living somewhere different every six months or whatever, right? Yeah. Same thing with doing a job. If you work in a specific career and in industry, if you work there for 20, 30 years, the likelihood of you being very sophisticated and knowledgeable in that area of life is very high. But you miss out on the opportunity of the next crypto pump or the next, <laughs> the next new shiny object like AI or something that you're missing out on. And so... It's a constant sacrifice if you want to be spectacular in a certain area. Totally So agree. it's like the, the problem with nowadays, like I said, is that constantly be being thrown information in our faces that is much, much more than we can comprehend on a daily basis. I mean, like thousands and thousands of messages from the algorithm that tells you what you should care about or you shouldn't, what matters, what's exciting out there. How do you choose what you're going to focus on? when constantly you're seeing all the other opportunities it's the paradox of choice right like you you think that having more options when you choose your choice you're going to be happier with it that's actually the opposite of the case the less options you have the happier you're going to be with the option you chose because now if you had 200 options your brain's gonna be running through each of those options and how you're only going to see the positive of those options and why that was a better choice than the one you chose and so you're just going to constantly be upset Mm -hmm. with like choosing the Twix candy bar at the store when there's 700 different options. But if there's only the Twix candy bar, you're going to be happy with your choice because that was all you had and it was mm. the best option. So it's like this yeah. paradox of choice when you're being constantly fed information from an algorithm. It's like, how do you know what to care about, what to believe? That's the and issue. So how do you know to what to believe, something. right? I think that's another reason why I try n- not to get involved in too much of those world affairs stuff anymore because the other thing is there's so many clickbaity headlines that get popped up on social media that people reshare but a lot of those times, people, the the companies or the sources that are putting that information out there, they just want a lot more views. They just want a lot more clicks. They want a lot more shares, right? So I don't even know, even if there's some like interesting message or some sort of event that happened, how am I supposed to even know what parts of that are true and what are not? I feel like it would be a disservice to the world, my following, to reshare something like that if I don't even know the context of how true that is. And then I'm just spreading more false information and this just continues the cycle. Yeah, especially in the West, we live in a level of abundance that society has never lived in in the past, ever. And so we're at the pinnacle of times where we're living in abundance. And it used to be, back in the days, that people were living in a level of scarcity, right? And so everything pretty much was scarce, right? Food, entertainment. Sugar. All these type of things, right? And so our bodies are created to live under that scarcity lifestyle where we need things. We need, you know, food, we need entertainment, we need and so our body's built to crave those things so that it gives us the motivation to keep chasing those. Like when we're living in a cave, I don't really want to go fight that tiger to like eat dinner tonight, but I need it to survive. And so the cravings in my brain are gonna like push me outside of my own comfort zone to do that. Nowadays, 
I don't have to go fight a tiger anymore to, to eat. I can literally just Uber Eats from my couch and like, bam, 20 minutes later, there's all the food that I could eat in the world. And like the sugar is addicted to me because years and years and years, and years ago, I needed that motivation to keep eating and eat, eat as many carbs as possible so that we can survive this scary winter. Whereas like today, I'm just gonna be sitting on my couch eating like ho-hos and Twinkies and like be 400 pounds. And so like now we live a world of abundance, whether that's abundance of you know, quick carbs. Dopamine, basically. Dopamine. It all comes down to dopamine. Literally any entertainment, anything. We just live in such an abundance. And so now instead of, it used to be that the problem was to get more of those things that we needed. Now it's like we actively have to get less of them. And so, and that's not, that's not like an easy thing to do because our, we're literally fighting our own hardwired mechanisms inside our brain, which is very, very difficult <laughs> evolutionarily because we're not just not prepared to live in the society we're lived in, right? Like the amount of information you can get every single day in your pocket on your phone, it's like more information than a single person would have in their whole lifetime. Yeah. Like even a hundred years ago. And I could get that in the next 20 minutes. And so it's just like you have to at some capacity have the mental fortitude to like keep yourself from that, which is so difficult. But you just have to keep doing it because exactly. otherwise you just get like in a world of gluttony, which is I think you lose motivation if there's so much instant dopamine everywhere around you. Like back in the day, you had to go up to a <clears throat> you had to go up to a woman, <clears throat> approach them wherever you see them. Now you just swipe right. Everything has become so much easier. Like you said, sugars, you have to actually go and like find fruit in the jungle and you get lucky. And so that was a motivation to go out there. Now or just, grow <clears throat> crops for six, eight months and like it's, hopefully get something from all your hard work. There's not too bad of a drought or a flooding anywhere. Um, but now everything is just so easy to get. So how do you think we as humans can try and mitigate this issue on like an individual basis. I think the things that are truly valuable and important are harder to get now than they ever were. But the things that are easy to get are things that are like short-term beneficial to us. And so like you just have to have a long-term mindset in most things and like focus on those things that you believe are truly important and have a clear vision of what's actually important to you and value value so that you can when it comes time to give up the like the thing that's right there that you can have right today you have to understand the delayed gratification and actually understand that this no this is more important to me than like the short-term gratification of xyz like having a marriage that lasts 40 years with a person that i love dearly is more important to me than like you know the porn on my device or like the the girl on tinder that i can just swipe 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 and like meet a new girl every day like the long-term vision of like this is actually what i value and is important to me has to be like very clear in your vision so that when it comes down to like the decision of that short-term thing you can look past that and see the long-term vision i guess and you have to do that in every area of life not just like dating or food dieting working out professionally everything right like yeah i mean it's literally even becoming harder for people including myself sometimes to watch a long form video because so used to just the reels where if in the first two and a half seconds i'm not getting like a hit of dopamine or i don't think this is interesting enough boom onto the next onto the next onto the next there's just such an abundance of information like you're talking about and so i've made it like a a personal rule like i've signed a contract in my head to, with myself every morning like as I'm waiting for the train, when I'm on the train and when I'm going from the train to the office, I'm not allowed to use my phone unless there's something urgent. Like if I have to call someone or respond to an email. But like it's just practicing being able to separate myself from the device because when it's easy and convenient and I'm bored, nothing to do. Like I've been practicing how to deal with boredom. I noticed, I, so I just took a trip to Hawaii with my family <clears throat> and my grandma is really good at sitting in boredom compared to anyone I've ever seen because she's not used to a device like this. Yeah. Anytime you're waiting at a restaurant for friends, anytime you're just anywhere and you're just standing there, easy. Pick out the phone, pull up social media, exit out of the app, pull up the next social media, exit <laughs> out of the app, do something. Like you're just it. searching for dopamine. Like searching for dopamine everywhere where I feel like 
if you consciously just be like, okay, you know what? I understand that I have this craving for it. Let me just put it away for a sec. It's like helping me in different areas of life, I feel like. And it's crazy to think that it's such a constant journey. It's not like, okay, I can make a quick fix and now I'm good, right? Like I went eight months, no social media. I've done month-long social media cleanses. I've done, you know, diets where I've eaten only a certain thing for an X amount of time. And then they're like, okay, now I'm good. Like I've got that out of my system. Like now I'm back to like a recreational use of like this addiction and think it's all good now. And then like two months later, you're like, I'm addicted to social media again. Or like, I want the Oreos in the cabinet again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just such a thing that you have to understand is like, always, forever, you're going to have to be doing that. It's not, you know, I can fix this now and I'll be good forever. Do one dopamine detox for a week and like, you're off for good forever. No, it's like, it's something you're going to be constantly fighting for the rest of your life. And you have to like, accept that. And have these values that are extremely important to you that are more important than whatever that short-term gratification is. So if it's like, say it's, I struggle with my diet. I'm prioritizing my short-term taste buds, gratification. Then I'm prioritizing my health in the long-term. You know, being able to play with my kids when I'm 50 or like my grandkids, being able to walk around unassisted. If I'm caring more about like you just understand that if i'm having trouble eating the right foods it means that i'm prioritizing my short-term gratification over my long-term life whatever aspect it is that you're struggling with you just have to understand that like okay that just usually means that i'm prioritizing my short-term gratification over my long-term happiness right so say if it's like i really want to get a girlfriend but i'm like you know on the porn hub every night like like that just means that I'm prioritizing my short-term gratification over the long-term happiness of like being in a committed relationship, having, you know, a family, whatever, even, even in like professionally wise, right? Like, you know, people, what, what do people do? And they like, just want to get the easiest job in the world that pays a little bit more right now, but don't have the long-term view of like, okay, this is actually where I want to be. So realistically, like just having your values in check and having a very clear contract with yourself, of like mm-hmm. this is the thing that's most important to me. I'm not going to put my short-term gratification above that because that's like a recipe for disaster. I remember um, when Danny Miranda came on the podcast, he, he's very big into meditation as a way to like become more mindfulness and reduce the need for instant gratification yeah. and instant dopamine. And I had asked him, I'm like, meditation for me historically i've never like been into it because i feel like it's an extra thing i need to do in the day like what do you think about that or how do i get started he was like everyone thinks meditation has to be like this big thing where you go into a a heated room get a yoga mat you crisscross applesauce and you just chant om into a like yeah and unlock your inner spirit it's like no it doesn't have to be that it literally just means when you're driving in the car turn off the music for a sec open the windows and just let your mind be free. Just be. Just, just be. be without feeling the need to constantly consume something or think about something. Just just be. That's it. And it's this practice that like actually transfers to a lot of areas of life. So what's helped me and, and these things like you were saying with the instant gratification, the bad habits stack on each other. Yeah. A lot of times. That's what, and, and good habits stack too. So if I am constantly doing harder things where I know like, okay, maybe this doesn't feel good in the moment, but I know it's like going to make me feel more confident because I'm doing something that's harder. That's helped a lot. Like little things, you know, there's all the memes about like people who do cold plunges or cold showers. Like I actually feel like if you end your showers with cold water, you're doing something that your body physically does not want to do. And I come out of that shower thinking, wow, I just proved to myself that I could do something that was hard. Boom. After that, I come out of that with now I'm going to go eat some food because I was able to do the hard thing in the shower. Now I feel like more confident in my ability to eat something healthy. If I eat something healthy now, I'm like, wow, I'm able to do these hard things. Maybe I can go do a workout right now and actually uh, like do it successfully. And they all stack on each other. And I've gotten to these lulls like every now and then where I'll like not sleep properly. And then because of that, I'm too tired to work out the next day. And because of that, I'll just want to eat some like junk food because that I'll procrastinate my work. And it just turns into this giant downward spiral of habits. And then I'm like, wait, like I got to reset. 
And for me, like ending the shower with cold water is like a reset for me where I'm like, okay, I just did something hard on to the next read this book that you've been procrastinating that you were saying you told yourself you're going to read five pages you haven't read five pages you told yourself you're going to wake up at 8 a.m you're snoozing your alarm till 9 30 right those things it's it's hard to do but if you do a few of the hard things they all stack on each other i feel like and that that's helped a lot so for me it stemmed from that habit of putting away my phone while i'm getting on the train it's something so simple that feels like oh like What's the loss of being on your phone before, like while you're getting on the train? You're not wasting time. In fact, you're being inefficient by not going on your phone and just like standing there doing nothing. But I think forcing yourself into that consciousness of, hmm, this thing is programming my mind. I'm getting addicted. Let me put it aside and be able to do something that's hard. Yeah. And I think it's easy to, to come to the conclusion that like, oh, if I do hard things every day, when something hard comes up, I'll be able to handle it. And like, everything will be okay. Everything will be great. And like, life will be easy. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, I'm, I'm be honest. Like when I feel like I'm someone who will consistently try and, and do it's very similar to you do the hard thing, work out consistently, take the cold shower, do things I don't want to do, read, journal, meditate, all these things. Right. And then something actually like in your life happens where you're like, ah, this sucks. It still sucks. It's not going to change the fact that something sucks. Like if it's, you're going through a rough time, like you're going through a rough time. It's not going to change that and make that any different. The difference is very small, but it's still there. The, The fact is that like the situation doesn't get easier. Like things that happen in your life don't get easier. Like your ability to deal with those and handle those and like have happy like good self-talk in those situations is what changes and those moments where things are hard they're not going to be any less hard you're going to be more adept to handle them exactly i mean that's spot on like bad things are going to happen to all of us we're going to have a family member die soon we're going to have a friend pass away uh we could have a relationship and like bad things are just going to happen we might get super sick our family member will get sick and yeah it's not supposed to be easy and it's not going to get easier it's just you have you build up the confidence that hey i've done all these hard things and i've gotten through these difficult even on like a micro level i've i've been able to handle difficult situations i trust that i'll be able to get out of this situation also even if it's difficult or challenging yeah and and it's i find myself falling into the trap of many times a situation like that will occur in my life and i'll be upset with myself for like ah you're upset. What's wrong with you? Like you said, you did all these hard things. Like now it's time. Like what's wrong with you? Figure it out. And it's very important also to understand that like, it's very easy to say, you know, these physical, tangible things do to do in order to prepare your mind for hard times or to just have a better life, right? Like, you know, diet well. So that way four years from now you can do all the things you want to do. You know, care about your relationships so that you can have happy relationships. Care about your finances so that way you're not going to be broke when you're 60. All these things are very tangible. And, you know, I I compare a lot of things to going to the gym because it's just like it makes sense to a lot of people and me specifically because that's something I'm into. But, you know, going to the gym every day, you know, that like, okay, I need to go to the gym to focus on my body and my health and X, Y, Z. The thing is, like, mentally and emotionally – the difference is we're going to the gym. We just don't realize it. The gym's coming to us, right? And so emotionally, we have all these thoughts in our head consistently all day. And those are opportunities for us to work out in some capacity and strengthen our own capacity to handle those situations and like have positive self talks I mean, this is a, a large function of therapy, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is basically saying – don't trust everything that your brain tells you, right? So if you have those conversations with yourself in your head where you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't know why I'm not being able to handle this. Like, why am I being such a little like wuss about this? Like, this sucks. I should be okay right now. You just got to like be very, very conscious about like cutting that out. Be like, nope. As soon as that thought comes up, be like, nope. Redirect. Like, that's not true. That's wrong. Like, that's a stupid, like that's that thought is a thought, but that doesn't mean it's true. And so everything you believe, just because like, you say that to yourself doesn't make it true at mm-hmm. all. And like the way things you feel doesn't make it true. You have to decide consciously to like have your own. There's like multiple 
people up inside your head kind of yes. like you know what i mean and I so like these that. people are saying one thing that doesn't mean that like i believe that right if i'm telling myself you should be handling this better like you should you should be okay right now like you shouldn't be upset or you shouldn't be like sitting in your bed like whatever that's not doesn't mean that that's true and that's actually what i believe it just means that like that's a thought that comes in my head and like i can either choose to believe that or i can choose to disbelieve that and i can choose to argue with that thought i can choose to get rid of it i can choose to like accept it i have that choice so like that's also important i mean i i think of it a lot as you know it's easy to understand that like yes i need to go to the gym and work out for my my body my health whatever but it's not easy to understand that like okay my mental is also something i need to work on consistently and so like making that connection in my own brain about like you know it's kind of like a mental gym but instead of going to the gym putting my shoes on and like going out the door driving to the gym and going there it's like coming to me and I just have to be like consistently doing the right thing and inside my brain, which is like super difficult, but it's very, very important. Definitely. I, I, those inner voices, I always picture like an evil, like devil Rohan with a trident on my left shoulder and then a, <laughs> a very sexy angel Rohan wearing a true classic tee on my right shoulder. Um, there, there will be multiple voices and it's like always remembering that, okay, like kick the devil off. Like, um, and I think the other thing is not setting expectations this is this is a very actually difficult thing that's tough to balance of like being proud of what you can achieve while at the same time shooting for more, right? That's a very tough balance to strike. If you set very big expectations for yourself, if you're just starting out with the gym, I'm going to go to the gym like seven days a week and like get in a one hour workout and then you fall short of that, even if you went like five days, now you feel like crap because you're like, oh my God, like I set this goal for myself and I'm not even able to achieve that. Like, w- like what am this? This sucks. Like, I can't even follow through on my own promises to myself. How's anyone else supposed to trust me if I can't trust myself? Like, that's happened to me in the past. Where I'll set these expectations for myself so high, or like I just I told myself I would read uh, read this book by the end of the month, and I'm only like ten pages in. Like, what the heck, right? Um, so it's about re- like starting smaller, taking babyer steps. Of okay, I'm just gonna read two pages tonight. Then from there, you work your way up rather than like starting trying to go all out right from the start. This happens a lot with fit, people getting yeah. into fitness I've seen. Yeah. Where they like immediately do amazing for like three days and they're doing like these very intense workouts and then they're just like burnt out because they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm not used to feeling this sore. and like Or they like start thinking themselves like that little angel or devil on their shoulder will say, you have to do this forever now? Like, yeah. always is this my new life like, this is two this hours is terrible. a day like well, we hate this you should just quit now otherwise you're gonna have to do this forever and like that sounds terrible so like quit and that's another part of where they're like okay mental gym like aikido that guy out of there like kick him in the face and tell him like you're wrong that's not true or it's a negotiation sometimes i negotiate with the devil where i'm like okay yes i don't want to do this workout right now it's been a super long day i got back from work i didn't have time to go to the gym but what if I did a seven minute quick high intensity workout? Is that, is that cool enough? Like, I know we don't want to do this at all, but like just seven minutes, is that fine? And he'll be like, sure, sure. We, we can work with seven minutes. We're not <laughs> we going to work full with seven thing. minutes. Yeah. Like me and the devil and the angel, like we all have like a, like a Socratic seminar sometimes with that. And you just like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be zero or a hundred. It's like, you can find little like happy, like middle grounds. Yeah. You know, you brought up something, something uh, very interesting where, the things that you tell yourself you're going to do and the difference between that and what you actually do, that's actually like our self-esteem. From, I read a book about it this this year um, that basically outlined the fact that the way we see ourselves, we're judging everyone else based off like, you know, the 20% we see of their lives, right? So like I see you like maybe once a week, twice a week, even at work every day, or I just see you on Instagram but like, I'm not seeing, you know, all the thoughts inside your head. I'm not seeing like the things you told yourself you're going to do. You didn't do like, I'm not seeing the fact that you like didn't wake up on time or like you didn't get your workout in yesterday. I think that everyone else is so, but I live with myself all day, every day. And so I have all these things I tell myself I'm going to do. I end up not like following through with that. Maybe I don't, I fall short of my goals, whatever it is. And so that difference between the ideal version of ourselves that we have versus who we actually are the difference between that is like our self-esteem and so the smaller that difference is the higher our self-esteem is because you know i'm i'm happy with myself i'm happy with the decisions i'm making i'm proud of myself for the things i'm doing the way 
whatever it is that I care about. Maybe it's like in my job, I'm giving my 100%. Maybe it's my workouts. I'm going to work out five times a week, whatever. And I do all the things. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to read a book. And I do all those things. And I'm going to be proud of myself, right? And so my self-esteem is going to be high. Whereas if I tell myself, you know, I'm going to work out seven days a week for two hours a day. I'm going to give my 100%. I'm going to get a promotion this year. I'm going to do, I'm going to only eat clean food, never eat anything bad this whole year. Like, and then I fall very short of that. That big, huge difference between my ideal version of myself and myself, I'm telling myself I'm not good enough. And then my self-esteem is obviously going to suffer. So the way to fix that is one of two ways. One is actually do the things you say you're going to do. So if I say I'm going to work out, the better work out. Otherwise, like every time I don't work out and I say I was going to do it, then like there goes some self-esteem just chipping away. Or you lower your goals a little bit and make them more realistic. And it's usually somewhere in the middle because it's good to have goals. It's good to have goals that are like out of your comfort zone, a little hard. But it's also not good to have goals that are like legitimately impossible for you to do. And like if you're honest with yourself, a lot of the goals that you're making are probably not realistic. (laughs) So me saying I'm going to work out every day of of 2024 – me saying I'm going to read a book a week. It's just it's not realistic. Yeah. I think another thing too, besides just keeping the promises to yourself for self-esteem, that's helped me is like telling the truth. Because, see, if you, if you lie, you might get away with it. So there's like, oh, it's okay. Because like it's not going to harm anyone else. Yeah. But what you're doing when you lie is, you, I mean, you know what's the truth always whenever yeah. you're saying something to someone else. And if you say something out loud that's different than what you actually believe, that's harming your own self-esteem a lot. Um, so that's like another external one where it's not just like doing the things that you say you're going to do, but then also how you project that out to the world. If you know you're not working as hard as you, sh- you could be and then you're telling everyone else that you're working super hard, that's also going to hurt your self-esteem because it's like there's, there's a big gap in terms of expectations of what you have for yourself versus what you're projecting out into the world. About I yourself. used to be the most compulsive liar ever i was also and not in like a the way that you would think of when you think of someone that's a compulsive liar like not like the someone that's you know scheming and like telling people all these different things to get them to like do things they want them to do or whatever it was just because the way i saw myself wasn't good enough and so i wanted other people to not see me for who i am because that was scary and I, w- like, I didn't see myself as good enough, so I was like, oh, well, why would anyone else? And so I tried to play this version of myself to the outside world, which is very different than who I actually felt like I was. And so I'd just be lying about like the smallest things. I, I, in like middle school, I'd always make up these stories about things that like happened to me. They would like just sound cool because they'd like be interesting. And they weren't like crazy stories. They were like honestly the most basic things like – I don't even know of an example of one, but they're just the most basic things. And I would just make up a story and like say it. And it'd be like, yeah, this is cool. Like, but I knew that was false. And so like I was making myself out to be someone that I wasn't. And it's just like, I realized that I was doing that. And I've also tried to be very like particular about like telling the truth and not only just like telling the truth, but like when you feel like you should say something and don't say it, that's also like, in some capacity lying to yourself because you're saying that like, okay, this isn't as important as it say I, I had a conversation with you and I had something on my mind that I like needed to tell you, or I felt like I should tell you and I didn't say, then like that's also falls in that category of like not telling the truth because truthfully I should say this. Right. And something that stuck out to me was like a Jordan Peterson quote, which is basically like when you tell the truth, whatever happens is the best case scenario. Like no matter what, And so, for example, if, you know, I'm with my girl and uh, she asked me, like, how do I look in this dress? And you're like, I don't really like it on you. Like, it's not very flattering. But I'm going to tell her, like, oh, you look amazing. Like, always. You, You lose that trust in your relationship because, like, if you always tell your girl she looks amazing every single time, always, when... Obviously, no one's always going to look amazing. Ten years from now, when she's preg- six months pregnant, and she asks if you're she's beautiful or she still looks good, and you're say, "Yeah," she's not going to believe you. Whereas, so you're 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 not in the best position possible, right? Mm. Whereas, like if you told her, like, "Okay, I actually don't like this dress on you," whatever, like 
that's fine. And like being okay with the fact that like she's gonna be maybe a little upset about that, but it's because the truth is more important in your relationship than you know always feeling a hundred percent of happiness and like smooth relationship. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and of course there's like a nice way to say it while still saying right, the truth, right, right. but it's also at the at the if at the very least don't lie. At the very least, don't lie. Sometimes, if the truth may not benefit the situation right there and then, delay the truth a little bit. I think that's still fine at times, as long as it comes out eventually. There's there's a timing thing with this too. Like, yeah, and if someone as well, if someone is like crying and they like want your honest feedback about something that happened or they want advice, like, and you just bluntly say something, maybe that's not the time to tell them. The yeah, truth. there's there's tact with it too, right? Like, yes, you can tell the truth with also not like ruining someone's life dreams right like if i tell you that i want to be like i don't know a world famous soccer player and i played soccer like a couple years in high school you got and i haven't played left and you're like dude you can do anything you set your brain to like trust uh, i don't know if that's the greatest thing to be telling me right but you also don't need to be like you're stupid why would you ever think that like when it maybe you feel it like that way, it can come out like as truth in a different, like more healthy capacity and like more tactfully. <laughs> it's hard when like see when talking to someone in conversation, they know your context and they can give advice. But now there's so many people online who are like that we have access to like and this has been around for like years through the news and through different kinds of forms of media, but like you just said, Jordan Peterson will have like a piece of advice or something. He doesn't know your context about life and he'll give some general piece of advice. Right. And you're like, oh, well, Jordan Peterson says this about life, but doesn't know my exact context of my situation. So it's dangerous many times to trust and just blindly follow advice from people who have maybe made it successful um, and like use that map of how they navigated their life to dictate your own. You know, because maybe what worked for them won't work for you based on your specific situation. So if someone says, oh, uh, like never like uh, 99% of apps on the App Store fail, like it, you should never create an app. Maybe you have some unique talent or you have some unique idea that the other 99% like did not actually see or there's something unique about the situation. So that doesn't mean you should just follow that advice because that's what the statistic says. Maybe the other way around too, like, oh, like you should all like follow your dreams of becoming like if you want to be the best soccer player in the world, like go follow it. Where if, if you're not like, if you've never worked for it or it's just not part of what you've like built your life around. Then yeah, maybe I'm it's not, not going to be in the NBA if I'm 5'10", white guy. Like there's like a, a negative like 1% chance of that being a possibility, right? And so like being realistic and like being honest with yourself. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to work. This is not going to work. And if, and if Isaiah Thomas was 5'9", I believe, like just took that general advice that people said, he would have never made it to the NBA exactly. and became the legend, right? So exactly. So it's all context dependent. I agree. And with the amount of information that each of us consumes every single day, the amount of information that comes into our eyeballs, goes into our brains, it can be impossible to differentiate between, you know, what's truth, what's not, what I should believe, what I shouldn't believe, what even is what I actually believe versus what I've just heard somewhere. Mm. And what's, so it makes it very, very difficult to trust yourself and like trust your own experiences because we just have so much information that we like cannot comprehend and like even like know what what we're seeing it's just like jumbles up in our brain we don't have time to process every piece of information that goes into our brain and so we just like create this world view that's like based on things that we've like loosely heard or loosely believe and so that goes back to the point i was saying earlier which is why it's so important to sit down and think about like these are the things that matter to me these are the things i'm willing to give up to get there and like these are the most important things that I value, and I'm gonna f- get decide that very strongly. Yes, and not to the point to where I will never ever change that, but to the point where it's not going to be easy for me to change that. Something has to be very very extremely compelling for me to like change that yeah. viewpoint. Right? I mean, quick to decide slow to change your mind that's like 
the right way to go about it, in my opinion. Ever since I heard that Kobe thing where the summer, like there was a summer when I think it was in high school, he didn't score a single point in that summer league. This is Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players ever, right? After that summer, he was like, he went home and he signed this, like, I love this mindset. He signed this mental contract with himself of here's when I'm going to work or here's when I'm going to wake up. Here's the hours I'm going to play basketball. Here's when I'm going to train. And it was as if he had signed a physical contract with his signature with someone else that was like legally binding that he could not break. That's the mindset he had in his mind. He's like, I'm tired today. Well, too bad. It's like in a contract. Like I literally mentally signed this contract. And that has stuck with me a lot. And I'm not a very religious, but I think that's one of the benefits of religion. It gives some, there's a few benefits. I think like community is one for sure, but the community is formed around similar set in stone values that people have that at least guides them in some direction versus if you have not concretely defined what you value, you're just going to be like a a feather in the wind going around, never knowing how to make a decision because everything will have like, everything will be gray area. You'll never know what's the right decision because you haven't clearly defined in your mind, what are my non-negotiables? What are things that I strive for? What are things I truly believe about the world? And I think you're right. Like writing these down like literally writing down in the notes of your iPhone. Like, here are things I will never do. Here are things I will never try. Here are things I will always do in these kinds of situations. Like you said, yes, there is certain times where maybe these won't apply or you have to use some further judgment based on the context, but at least being 90% confident in here's what I'm going to do if the situation ever encounters. Yeah, I'll give you an example of this. I made a contract with myself that I will never try drugs I'll never smoke, whether that's cigarettes, weed, vapes, never. I've, I've like hit a vape once in my life. That's it. Out of all those things, I've never done any drugs. I've never done, the only thing I've ever like done is drank alcohol. That's it. And so I made that commitment to myself. Like I will never, ever do that. I never have. If there was some research that came out, um, I know they're doing a lot about it now on like, different uh, psychedelic therapies that people can use that can be very, very beneficial for people, right? If that came out and there was extremely, extremely compelling evidence that led me to believe that like, okay, this is something that is okay for human use, like it won't cause any long-term issues uh, and it'll actually have a largely positive impact in my life, I might consider changing that contract I wrote with myself years ago to include, not include, you know, whatever it is that they decide is like, okay, some new thing. Right. But if I hear people talking about like, Oh my gosh, like you would not believe how my, my life has changed on these, like after taking shrooms or whatever. And like, now I see the world in a much, that's not enough evidence to like change my perspective. Right. So what I'm saying is like, yeah, you have a contract with yourself. And then if you hear some piece of evidence, that doesn't automatically just, oh, contract gone. Cool. I'm going to take shrooms now. Like, sounds like a great thing. Like, a couple of my friends have said it's great. I'm going to do it. It's not like that. It's like I have to have extremely compelling evidence for me to change my opinion and for me to change my contract I've written myself. It's like. Like, you can make amendments if you have enough. You can make amendments, but like the amount of information you have to have in order to make an amendment is obscene. And so you're not just going to be like, I mean, if you have contracts with yourself and then you'll just change them with any like new piece of information you find like does the contract even matter at that point no <laughs> like it's just it's useless mm-hmm. and so you have to have some level of the, the ex- extremity of the information that you have to get in order for you to change your mind on something it has to be in proportion with how important that contract is to you right if it was just like you know I'm always going to wear white shoes or something. And then like every day my shoes get dirty and I'm like, ah, so annoying. Maybe I'll try some different color shoes. Like that's contract doesn't, isn't really that important to me. So like the it's not worth information I need to change that is like not super high. And so it's okay for me to like change it. But when something, the, the level at which it matters to you and it's important to you is in proportion to the level of information that you need in order to change that perspective, in my opinion, is how it should be. Mm. Because otherwise you're just like, yeah, like you said, you're, you're like a ship captain 
you're on your ship of your life. This is my life. This is the direction I want to go. And if I just like decide that I'm not going to have any strong, clear cut ideas about what I want my life to be like, I'm just like, well, I might as well just take this little like wheel on the boat that, uh, dude decides where I go. I'm just going to take it off the boat and throw it overboard. And then just like wherever the winds throw me or wherever the waves crash, like that's where I'm going to end up. Doesn't seem like a very good strategy for living a life that you actually want to be wherever you is you end up like you're just gonna end up somewhere random to like well how'd i get here yeah i I think there's two pieces to it there's like goals which is like the end direction of where you want to go and then the values is how you want to get there and i think they're equally important and it's more important to decide the things that you are willing to sacrifice slash give up over the things that you're willing to do because it's really easy to say oh yeah i'll like you know eat healthy every day are you willing to give up sweets for uh, like forever? You know what I mean? So it's like the, the things you're willing to give up are much more important than the things you're willing to do, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. I actually, I take back the last point. I don't think values and goals are equally important. I think values are a lot more important. Um, because I agree. wherever you end up, based on those values, if you hold true to them of what you believe and the kind of person you want to be, I don't think it matters as much where you end up. Anyone can make a goal. It's so easy. That's the easiest thing, part of the puzzle. Like having a goal of like, I want to drive a really fast car. I want to have a huge mansion. I want to be like $100 million. I want to have like the hottest girl in the whole world be my girlfriend. I want to have like, you know, I want to be super jacked. I want everyone to love me. Easy to make that goal. I can write that down right now and say, those are my goals. Getting there, like having the actual values of like, you know, if I'm going to get there, I need to have this step-by-step process, which means I need to value that goal that habits that will get me to that goal over everything else so all the other things that like my friends want me to go out this weekend oh can't do that uh i want to eat this eat out with my like my friends are all going to this one restaurant i want to go eat out there can't do that well i Uh, think even even for these values like you or habits you you can even write these down on a piece of paper quickly right uh never smoke never do this blah 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 and then when the situation comes up it's like okay i wrote that down but is that still strong enough for me not to do it? I think there has to be a strong enough reason in your head or a justification for why each yeah, you of those. You have to have a why for each one. You yeah. need a very strong why, otherwise it's, you're not going to follow through on it. If you're just writing it down because, oh, like the society says uh, it's good to be healthy, so I should probably be healthy. Let me write down to eat my vegetables every morning. Boom. That I don't think that's strong enough. You have to understand the science of why you actually, what that vegetable is actually doing in your body. You have to understand what your life will look like in 40 years if you don't do this habit versus you do do this habit. It's things like that also. Like it's gotta be a super strong why. And then the other thing is, I think you can even reprogram your brain a little bit where if your habit is, or you wanna go to the gym every day, if you treat it like a chore, then it's going to be very tough. Like you were saying, like, oh, I have to do this the rest of my life. Like, is this what life's going to look like? Yeah. It's not going to be fun. But like you and I, like when we go to the gym, we'll actually get a hit of dopamine after that workout. We've programmed it that that actually excites us. It wasn't yeah. like, it, it feels very easy for us to go to the gym because it's something that excites us now over time. So you have to get to the point where the thing becomes not necessarily always fun to do, but you feel very proud right after and you feel very fulfilled where it's like, hmm, I want that feeling of fulfillment and pride again and that's what I'm striving to reach. I think you you have to attach some of that like psychology to it, to these habits that might be difficult or annoying or, or challenging. Yeah, and I think it's easy to think of values that we hold as, oh, maybe I should get some values. Like right now I'm not living in a, like the value, whatever values. I'm, that's not true. Every single person has things they value. You just maybe haven't realized what the things that you value and why you value them at this current moment. But you have things you value 100% every single person does, right? And so you just need to ruthlessly decide what values you hold. First of all, you need to understand them. And second of all, you need to decide which are actually going to get you where you want to be and which are good values and bad values. There's objectively good and bad values, Bad values are values that you have little control over. For example, if I value people liking me, terrible value, objectively, because I can't control that. 
I can do everything in my power forever. And there's still going to be people that don't like me. It's a bad value. So a better value would be, you know, I want to be a kind person or because that's extremely in my control. I can control that right now. I can say the way I treat other people is 100% in my control. Nobody's going to have a gun to my head that's going to force me to do something else. So having control, like the values can be objectively good and objectively bad. And so you need to understand what are the values that I hold? Where are they going to get me? And how are they going to make me feel about myself? So you mean like the phrasing of that, whereas good values are ones that you have internal control over. External is what the like outcome from other people's perspectives kind of? Not necessarily. I mean, there's, there's objective, like, okay, a good value would be the following. Not that you have to have these values, but these are some basic values that are inherently objectively good so you know having courage being truthful um let's see what are some other ones like being kind uh working hard these are things that like you might not care about one of them as much as others and that's fine that's each for your own person you you to decide what is the thing that you're going to care about and is important to you but those values inherently you have control over, number one. And number two, they're objectively good for society. If everyone held them, they would be good. And for yourself. And for yourself, right. So, so the incentives are aligned. So the problem comes when we have values that we don't truly understand why we hold them, what they actually are. And those are values. Or how to follow through on them. Exactly. And we have no control over them. It's like, yeah, I have a value that, you know, I want to be, money is extremely valuable to me, right? And then, like, that's an external factor, right? If the stock market crashes and I'm broke now, boom, there goes my self-worth, right? Like, oh, uh, but I had no control over that, right? Like, the work I put in to make that money, maybe that's a good value to have, hold. And I value working hard that's a good value anyway that I mean that's a short topic on that but like the idea is just being very ruthless about the things you believe and like that's what that's what being mature is it's just truly understanding yourself and actually the things that you believe not just willy-nilly like because you know all the information you randomly heard on instagram one day or something like so that one time that you did hit that vape, was that before you kind of had thought of this list of values or, or how did that happen? Uh, so the first value was in high school, I decided never doing drugs. Uh, why, why did you have this value? Because I attributed drugs to the people that were in like my vicinity that were doing them were the things I didn't want to be. So they're bums. They were like not doing, going anywhere with their lives. Like I just attributed, you know, drugs to that. And so I was like, I don't want to be like that. So I'm never going to do drugs, which is, I mean, it hasn't steered me wrong since I'm not saying that like everyone that does that is a bad person. I'm just saying that's what I attribute it with. And I said, I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm not going to do that. And then as time went on, like the vapes got added to that, right? Like, okay, I did it once. And I was like, why did I do that? That was so dumb. Like, I'm not proud of myself for doing that. Like, it wasn't even like a thing. I was like, a, a big thing. I was just like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Like, that's not happening. So I'm not going to do that. Same thing with like cigarettes. Like, never tried it, but like, what's the point? If I do it and I like it, I'm going to be mad at myself for liking it because I'm going to start doing it. And if I do it and hate it, I'm going to be mad at myself for doing it because what was the point right so it's just like why would i do that and so now i added that to the list right and so it's just like i mean it's not like you have to decide something right now and forever it's gonna be set in stone but it just makes things easier when whenever because those situations will probably come up a lot where someone hands you a vape and says you want to hit this now if every single time you have to think in your mind hmm do i want to hit this or not Number one, that's just a lot of mental energy that like yep. goes into that and you're like constantly battling it in your head. Why not just like decide ahead of time so you don't have to have this battle? And then two, you'll actually feel good when people hand you that and you say, you know what? No, I have this value in my head. 
you don't have to say all this out loud. This is just in your She's own like, head. no, I don't want to. Like, you say, I'm good. No, thanks. And you'll feel good about that because you know what your value is and you're holding true to that value, mm-hmm. which is like another p- very positive feeling that you'll have that just boosts confidence and self-esteem in the long run with enough of these. Because it's a hard thing to do to say no to something that gives you instant dopamine. You say no because that's part of your value. Boom. You're now doing something that is inherently hard. Right. Like I'm, say I have a contract myself that like, I'm not going to be addicted to social media. So now like, you know, I spend some amount of time on social media. My timer on my like app goes off and says, do you want to continue? And I'm like, no. And I feel good about myself. And it's objectively better for me as a person because I'm not like wasting all my time sucked into this app. that's like not doing anything for my life and not getting me to the place I want to be. So, yeah. Like for, for me, like snoozing alarms, I used to justify all the time. I'm like, Oh, like it's actually good if I snooze because then I get a few extra minutes of sleep. It sleeps good. Yeah. Sleeps good for me. Right. But anytime I snooze my alarm to the point where I woke up later than I wanted to, it was just not a great day yep. to some extent yep. because See, I knew that I w- told myself I'm going to wake up at X, Y, Z time. And I did not do that because of the instant dopamine or gratification of four more minutes of sleep. Which actually doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, the the devil on your shoulder, the voice in your head, whatever you want to call it, is extremely, extremely good at being convincing <laughs> because it knows everything you care about. It's like, imagine you're sitting across the table from someone that wants to convince you of doing something and they know everything you want. They know everything you like. They would wipe the floor with you and you would think you got the better end of the deal. But in the end, you didn't. And so, like, it's very, you have to understand that when you're negotiating with this voice inside your head. And you have to understand that you're really not negotiating with the voice inside your head. You're kind of just like stealing from your future self to some extent. Mm. So, like, if I tell myself I'm gonna wake up at 6 a.m. every day, and the one day I wake up at 8, or I don't get out of bed till 8, I'm just stealing that, that, like, pride so here's the the happiness from my 11 a.m self this is where it comes down to that setting expectation thing because look i value sleep i i think sleep is so important for like functioning throughout the day and then if i set the alarm for 6 a.m i value holding true to what i say i'm going to do but i also value sleep so now do i snooze do i not no no when you made that 6 a.m that was that's the the thing so it's about setting that expectation of if i sleep at midnight and i want to wake up at 6 a.m is that actually the best thing to be doing for my body for what i value no maybe not i do value sleep so maybe you should wake up at eight that maybe night. i should just set but that you first should probably alarm. stop staying up till midnight <laughs> yeah I mean? exactly so it so, all comes back to like yes when you have competing values that makes things very very difficult so for example if i value being nice but i also value telling the truth telling the truth that could be competing in some capacities because, you know, being nice to someone, maybe it's not always the nicest thing to do to tell someone the truth. It might be kinder, but it's not nicer. So you run into those issues and like that's where you have to play it by ear. But like, And that's where also writing, like you said, like you brought up those few values of like be honest, be hardworking. Like everyone's going to have the same values. The point is not like what is that qualitative value. It's how much you value each of those. Yeah. It's how much weight you assign each of those. I value telling the truth and above like all else, then you will go through with those honest conversations more than just trying to protect the other person's feelings and just be nice on the surface. So it's not just like, okay, I value hard work. I value trust. I value accountability. It's like, okay, what is actually most important to me? Because yeah, everyone should value those objective, like high level things, but it's like specifically what's more important because everything is the more common situation is going to be when there's multiple values at conflict. Like yeah. that waking up in the morning. 100%. Kind of 100%. Yeah. And it's going to happen all the time. And in conclusion, it, it's just like the things that you value in the long run is going to equal what you get, right? And the things you do now, today, tomorrow, the next, this year, next year, 10 years, 20 years, the rest of your life that dictates the life you're going to live. And so you have to decide what is the life I want to live and how many get there and then have be very ruthless with like sticking to that. And uh, that way you can live the life you're proud of. 
be successful in the things you deem are successful and uh yeah be proud of yourself like that that really comes down once you're proud of yourself it's easier to be confident about the things you're doing decisions you're making all of the above and uh yeah it sounds like a better life to live in my opinion totally agree dude like it's not hard it's not easy though it's very hard uh I mean, consistently it's, it's a hard life to it's a hard path to, to travel and that's why it's most people don't travel difficult. it right it's incredibly like, difficult first you set the values then you if you if you accomplish those values say in the morning you set that uh goal or think to yourself of i'm gonna wake up at this time you conquer that enough times in the mornings you conquer the day you conquer enough of those days achieving most of those living with those values you conquer the week same thing enough of those weeks you conquer the year enough of those years you live a life true to yourself. They do. They do. Def- the habits definitely do stack up. But as we mentioned earlier, it's still going to be hard. We're like human. It, it's life's still not easy, and it, it's just hard in a different way than it used to be. Like we said, it used to be like yeah, you you lived a life of scarcity and you needed to go out and do all these things. Now you live a life of abundance. It's, it's the same hard. It's just a different capacity of what that looks like in the end i think it gamifies life a little bit when you have this like game you want to play of i want to stay true to these values and you like keep on failing with that you keep on succeeding there's going to be ups and downs and it's like you're constantly trying to just better yourself that's the i think the whole self-improvement thing is just a giant game that keeps life interesting i i agree and uh i think sitting down with a pen and paper old school meditating on the values that are important to you, the things you're willing to sacrifice, what the goals you want to have. You know, it's a new year. Maybe it's part of your New Year's resolutions. It helps you figure those out. I think it's the highest ROI thing you could ever do with your time is having a clear vision on what you want in life. 100%. Because, you know, it, it... will cascade into every other area of your life and things you're doing just that like one maybe you take a day and you just don't do anything but decide like what actually matters to me and it's going to be something that's a process it's not like something you can just figure out in like one day and like be done with it and forever it's a process of finding and like practicing and trying and it's not easy but it'll over time i think it's the highest roi thing you could ever do with your time 100 percent. wow man first pod <laughs> three months rusty good what do you think i don't know we definitely do we still do we still we got gotta, it i think we got to cut out the first part where we talked about uh 2023 recap because we didn't do any talking about that no prep we just it kind of just it goes really. where it goes but you know i'm not upset about it i think it was good i had fun and maybe we can record the 2023 <laughs> review tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> some more prep all right until next time see you